Well, I wanted to uh, start with, I think, I was thinking about what's been happening in the last couple of weeks in Israel and asking myself, you know, this question, why does Satan hate Israel? I like to make it six questions, uh, five questions, all right? Why does Satan hate, hate Israel? Why does Satan hate Israel? Why does Satan hate Israel? And why does Satan hate Israel? All right, so I made five questions out of one. But in each time, what I'm trying to emphasize is, I don't really understand. Uh, I understand from the Bible, but if I didn't have my Bible, it would be just such a mystery. Israel's about the size of New Jersey. There are so many other groups of nations in the world that I know have problems and all that, but Satan doesn't seem to pay much attention to them. But this little country and this, this little, I mean, comparatively speaking to the population of, this, of the world, this little group of people seem to receive the burden of his hatred. And by the way, I believe that everything that we see as far as Hamas, Hezbollah, all the other groups who are, who are attacking Israel, the Nazis in the past, Naaman, uh, I'm sorry, Haman, way back in the book of Esther. You, you have to think that really what's happening is Satan is the fountain. Satan is the source of all this hatred that we see people expressing towards the Jews and towards Israel. Satan's the real fountain of it all. Just like you see the mouth of the river, but there's the streams, the beginning, and all this someplace that fed all that. And it's, it's Satan's hatred that has brought all that. All we are seeing is to some degree, and it's always a lower, or I say less degree of hatred, even Hamas's hatred for Israel, as we've seen them expressed just a couple of weeks ago, is a tiny degree of hatred compared to the sources' hatred of Israel, compared to Satan's hatred of Israel. And why? So the Bible has an answer to that question, and I'm so glad I have my Bible to help me know why. That little country has such a, such a place in history. All right, first, let's go to Genesis 3.15. You know, when, uh, when, when in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell, we call it, they fell. They're the only people that ever became sinners. <laughs> you know, I was born a sinner, but Adam and Eve were the only people who became sinners. And uh, after they fell, there's a confrontation between Adam and Eve and Satan and the Lord in the garden. So in Genesis chapter 3, after speaking to Eve first and speaking to Adam, uh, then, or Adam and Eve, and he speaks to them, then the Lord addresses Satan. Now I can imagine Satan at this point is smirking. I mean, he has just ruined God's perfect, or he called it very good creation. And I mentioned there's a, there's a smug look on his face up to this point. It was so easy. It just, it just took a few temptations. And now all of what God created has not only, you know, Adam and Eve themselves, but their, their descendants, but also all creation is now cursed. It's so easy. You can imagine the almost mockery that's on his face about, you know, this is, this, what's next? I mean, I, I already ruined it. What else can happen? Well, look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is God speaking to Satan. You know, I don't know if you see that much in the Bible, but God is speaking to the devil. And he says in verse 15, I, the Lord, will put enmity 
between thee, Satan, and the woman, and between thy, Satan, your seed, and her seed. It, that would be the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head, and thou, Satan, shall bruise his, that's the seed of the woman, heel. In that verse, class, we have encapsulated the whole Bible. I say class, all right. I've been teaching all day. You have to assume. So we have encapsulated the whole Bible right there for us. And in this, in this the smirk, the smile, the, the, the mockery, and all that must have left Satan's face because what God is saying is what you've done to these, these human beings, especially to that woman, there is a descendant of that woman that you, that you tempted to, to fall, and she did. There's a descendant of that woman who will destroy you. And in that, we see the rest of the Bible. Because that means that Satan now knows it is going to be a human being who will be responsible for his destruction. That's what he says. This descendant of the woman, the Lord says, will bruise your head. Now, I have to imagine that that sounds like a pretty fatal wound. That Satan has to understand one of these clayy things, one of these things made out of clay, one of these, you know, things of dust, will one day destroy me. And in that, he now, you know, the enmity that's being spoken of here, you probably have, if you've ever experienced enmity between people, it means a kind of a warfare that goes on between you. Between people and Satan. That's what it says, between, I declare war between you, the woman, and you, Satan, between your, her seed and your seed, your, your, this woman's descendant and your descendant, there's going to be a warfare. I declare it. That's what God says. There's going to be that. And there's the answer. Now, at first, of course, this warfare is a very, you could say Satan has a very broad enemy as far as this goes. I mean, the, the, the verse is just telling us that the deliverer that God's going to use, the one that will eventually come of the woman, is a human being. God is not going to make a, like he did with, the, with uh, Jonah, a special fish. He's not going to make a special angel. He's not going to make a special being that will destroy Satan for what he did. He's going to use a human being. The one that Satan just, you know, looks down upon and despises and, and is smirking about how easy it was to destroy yet one of them, one of those clay things, will destroy him. So there's, there's this warfare that's declared right there at the very beginning of the Bible. Now, it gets more specific. And the reason I have this kind of looking like a funnel is because that's the way it is. There's a very, there are a lot of human beings. And any one of them could be the, the one that would be the deliverer, right? Because any human being is being described here as a descendant of the woman. And that, that would mean that anybody could be this deliverer so far. But there's a more specific promises about this deliverer, and Satan has to take notice every time that God narrows who deliverer, who this deliverer is going to be. And it says in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, if you turn over there, please, Genesis chapter 12, it gets a little more specific. In Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham, and he says in verse 1, now the Lord has said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. 
And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In this promise that is made to Abraham and in other places to Abraham, this deliverer that is, is narrowed. It's not every family on earth that is going to have a chance of being the one that will have this descendant of the woman who will destroy Satan. Instead, now, God has chosen not of the nations. He's chosen one person to build a nation from this one person, Abraham. And so it's narrowed down now. I imagine Satan's, therefore, enmity is not going to extend to those who are not descendants of Abraham. Woo, guess what? I'm off the list. I am, not, I am not going to have to worry about having the attention that Satan gives to this one who will be born, who is prophesied to be the one who destroys me. Now, yes, Satan knows he's going to get to hurt, to, to bruise the heel of this one who's like that. But he's not interested in me, is he? I'm not a descendant of Abraham. How about you? Are you a descendant of Abraham? Anybody here a descendant of Abraham? You're not on Satan's hit list. Right? Because there's no chance you could be this deliverer. Now, in just that one, one verse, it narrowed it down. Here's another. You want to, because Abraham had many sons, right? And many sons had Abraham, right? That song tells you that there's, there are more, there's more than just one nation that came from the loins of Abraham. And so the deliverer, it says later on, is going to be of Isaac and Jacob. Go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. God continues to narrow the, the pool of where this, this particular deliverer is going to come from. And in Genesis chapter 21, it says in verse 9, uh, I'm reading down to verse 12, actually. Start verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy, of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In this particular case, Ishmael, a son of Abraham, is being cast out. And God is making clear that that man and his descendants are not the one that the deliverer will come through. It is going to come through the promised one, Isaac. Now, Ishmael's descendants include the Arab nations. But it's not them. They can take themselves off the list. The, Satan is not going to be the sworn enemy of the Arab nations, even though they're related to Abraham. Because it has been made narrow, it is only through Abraham, Isaac, and then later Jacob. Look what it says in chapter 35 of Genesis. God continues to narrow down who this deliverer will come from or through. We know he'll be a human. We know that he'll be a descendant of Abraham. We know now he's going to be a, December, a descendant of Isaac. Look what it says in Genesis 35, verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Pandan Aram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings 
shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it. And to thy seed after thee will I give the land. So now we see that God has narrowed that this deliverer not only is going to be a human being, not only a man as it's spoken of in Genesis 3.15, but he'll also be a descendant of Abraham, which is still including a lot of nations, but he's narrowed it down to now a, a descendant of Isaac and a descendant of Jacob. In fact, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Now, can you see that Satan is being able to narrow his, his energies, narrow his anger, narrow all the attention that he wants to give to prevent, if he can, the birth of this one who will destroy him. And now he's a sworn enemy of Israel. Because the Bible says that that's where the deliverer will come from. But that's not all, folks. God narrows it even more. The deliverer amongst the 12 tribes of Israel is promised to be from Judah. Go to jo uh, last book, uh, almost the last chapter of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Now, we know Jacob had 12 sons. And his first sons are Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Now, according to the way they did things, the one that should get the double portion, the one that should be the firstborn and, and get these promises is his firstborn, Reuben. And if Reuben has something wrong with him, then it would go into the secondborn, Simeon. And then if that, it'd be the thirdborn, which was Levi. But all three of these are disqualified. According to Genesis chapter 49, when Jacob speaks about his family and their future, he starts by saying, verse 3, Genesis 49, verse 3, Reuben, thou art my what? You're my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. You know what he's saying? That's the way his firstborn is supposed to be. You're supposed to be the one taking my, my place and getting the, the birthright. But look at the next verse, verse 4, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. There's something wrong with Reuben. There's something that, got, that Jacob cannot pass on, the, the, the uh, inheritance that he should have, cannot give it to Reuben. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. And he goes ahead and tells about this horrible thing that Reuben had done. Look at verses 5, verse 5. Simeon and Levi. Our brethren, instruments of cruelty, of cruelty are in their habitation. You have to read in the history of this how Simeon and Levi massacred a group of Canaanites. And in their massacre, and they, they called it revenge for something they had done to their sister Dinah. But in their massacre of the Canaanites, God rejected them. I mean, I mean this wasn't a fair fight. God rejected Simeon and Levi. It doesn't go to you. Who's next? Look at verse 8. Judah. That's the fourth born. Judah, thou art he whom my brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art going up. He stooped down and he couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet till Shiloh come, and unto him shall 
the gathering of the people be. I don't think it can be any clearer that, the, that, that what should have been the firstborn Reubens or Simeons or Levi's is going to Judah. And in this case, we see that this deliverer not only is going to be a human being, not only is going to be a descendant of Abraham, not only is going to be a descendant of Isaac and Jacob, but also of the tribe of Judah, a descendant of Judah. In fact, guess where we get the word Jew from? Judah. That doesn't, it doesn't stop there. The deliverer also is going to be a descendant of David. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says in 2 chapter in 2 Samuel 7, David is, is just receiving or beginning his, his kingship is over Israel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Lord tells him something really special. Because David keeps telling the prophet Nathan, go to the Lord, please. I want to build him a house. Tell him I want to build him a house. I want to build the Lord a house. I want a temple. You know, the tent that the tabernacle is in, that's, that's okay. We got Jerusalem as our capital. I want to build a house for God. He really had that desire. And the Lord had to tell him, no, you aren't. But I'm going to do something for you. Look what the Lord says that he will do for him. It says in verse 12, And when the days will be fulfilled that thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after these. This is the Lord speaking through Nathan to David. Which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established, how long? Forever <laughs> before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever, according to all these words and according to all of this vision. So did Nathan speak unto David. Now, God says basically to Nathan, through Nathan to David, you want to build me a house, David? Well, you're not going to. You'll have a son that will. But I'll tell you, I'm going to build you a house. And he's talking about a dynasty. In other words, David, in the, on, on Israel's throne, when it comes to a king on Israel's throne, there will be a king related to you. Your dynasty will go forever. Now, most dynasties, if, they, if, if a king thought that his grandson and great-grandson and great-great-grandson, maybe his great-great-great-grandson were going to be kings after him. He thought, that's a good, that's a pretty good run right there. And then usually a dynasty was replaced by somebody else's family. But David is promised forever. There will be a son or a descendant of David on the throne. And in that, we understand that this deliverer is going to be not only a human being related to Abraham, related to Isaac, through Jacob, in the tribe of Judah, and also of the family of David. And Satan now has perfect, you could say, almost knowledge of who and where to focus his hatred. And then we know that Jesus is the deliverer. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, I give unto you good news, great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The city of what? David. Exactly as prophesied. And do you know that that very night, or that, that soon after that, Herod the Great sent men to kill, to slaughter 
the babies in Bethlehem. Sound familiar? I want to close with this. Look in Revelation chapter 12. I, I, I wonder if God wanted to, and he does, if he can sum up everything that we've just read in one passage, it's in Revelation 12. In Revelation chapter 12, is this, and I ask this, I ask it as a question because I'm not sure myself, there are other people I have other ideas about what this means. But I, I tend to think that this is a summary of everything we've been saying. Look what it says in Revelation 12, verse 1. This is John's vision. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants and the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which was the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. In this amazing vision that John has, it's possible that this woman represents the nation of Israel. And I want to say that if you read verse 3, I put in my Bible here, when it comes to verse 3 and verse 4, this is all the Old Testament. It talks about uh, this, this woman who is, uh, is told that she or she is going to have a child, a male child. And, uh, and it says that the dragon wants to keep that from happening. I, I begin the New Testament, therefore, in verse 5, and she brought forth a man child. That's what happens at the beginning of the New Testament. Mary has a child named Jesus. She brought forth a man-child. Israel brought forth the Messiah, as promised. 
And it says, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God and to his throne. But you notice Satan, it says, was there. The dragon was there. As soon as the child was born to be, to be able to devour this child. Now, why among all the children that have ever been born in this world would he pay attention to this one child that was to be born? It's because that is what God said in the beginning of the Bible. That's how he's going to destroy Satan. One of these clayey things will destroy him. And so he has, over the years, nursed his hatred and it's grown in his spite towards Israel as a nation. And you notice when the child's born, he's there to devour it. And that's, that's exactly what we read about the birth of Jesus. But the child is taken up to heaven. And Jesus, that's not his resurrection, that's his ascension. After his resurrection, he ascended up to heaven. And he's, he's safe in the heavenlies, right? But now Satan turns his attention towards the woman. He's mad at the woman. Why? Because she brought forth the deliverer. Okay, I'm trying to answer this question. Why does Satan hate Israel? It's pretty clear. He doesn't hate me like he hates them. He doesn't hate America like he hates them. He doesn't hate China like he hates them. He doesn't hate Brazil like he hates them. He doesn't hate Cuba like he hates them. He doesn't hate North Korea like he hates them. He doesn't hate any nation like he hates Israel. Because nobody in those nations is ever going to be the one who destroys him. None of those nations are going to bring forth the deliverer. It was really clear to him, even if it's not clear to us or the rest of the world, it's Israel. And that's why he hates Israel. Now, again, we're going to see that it gets worse and worse. During the time that happens here and the rest of this vision that he has, it's the tribulation time. It's the time that I'm not going to be here to see this, but the nation of Israel is going to be even more chased down by Satan, delivered miraculously, but still days of trouble ahead. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of Satan's hatred. I still cannot imagine people doing what they did just a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, if you look at the date, of course, I was... In 11th grade in 1973, when on October 6th and 7th, the Yom Kippur War started. And if you count exactly 50 years, that's 2023, October 7th, when Hamas attacks. No accident. It is a, a symptom of hatred. Now, when it comes to them, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that their hatred is excusable. But it's, it, it again comes from a source. And if we think, why can people do this? How can they pick on one nation and have that kind of vitriol against them? And it's Satan-inspired. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that without, without your word, how, how un, it would be so hard to understand what's going on in this world. It would be so difficult to make sense of it. And Father, I don't have to make sense of it. I just need to see what your word said and, and realize that it's, it's exactly what you predicted. And we know that this uh, particular 
world system that Satan has, he has geared it so that Israel will be its enemy. Father, I thank you that our, our country has stood by Israel. But Father, we see even today there are cracks. We're, there are cracks in that, that foundation of standing as a friend. And Lord, we pray that we would not, we would not go that direction. Father, bless our country for what we've done in the past to be Israel's best friend and help us continue to be that. And not because they are the best people on earth, but they are your chosen people that the deliverer will come through. Now, Lord, we ask you to give them in these days ahead strength through the trials that they're facing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.